0: The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem and the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're heading into Oregon's national forest to cut a family Christmas tree and talk about how to get the perfect one. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David. So in this episode, we are talking about a classic Oregon tradition, going into the woods to cut a Christmas tree. It's something that seemed pretty well known, and I've done real quick stories about it pretty much every year. But this year, a few things happened that kind of jumped out at me and inspired me to take sort of a deeper look at this.
1: Two big things kind of happened recently when it came to Christmas trees. For one, the cost of trees you buy in stores, lots, and even the you cut Tree farms has really gone up in the last few years. And there's a bunch of sort of economic reasons behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of farms closed in the recession, and just sort of the amount of time it takes for trees to grow to mature levels to be cut. And, you know, there's just a ton of things that impact that little tree before it gets to market. Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, prices right now, consumers across the US have paid an average of $78 <laughs> for a Christmas tree. That was back in 2018. Like almost $80 for a tree? Yeah. That is insanity.
0: I know. And it does not come with gold-plated ornaments. Yeah. Which you would think it would at that price. It is slightly cheaper in Oregon. This is true. You know, doing a, a survey, we do have more Christmas trees here. So you can get them, especially in that 40 to $60 range. But for a nice tree, you're talking at least $55, possibly more.
1: Yeah. So really, you know, the, the alternative here, the cheaper alternative, you grab a permit, you know, from the National Forest Office, head out into the
0: forest, five bucks. Five dollars. So the prices have pushed people there. But the other reason I was interested is that people from out of state keep moving to Oregon in high numbers and in a lot of cases it's for outdoor recreation and things kind of like this to do this choose your own adventure in the wild where you go out with a handsaw and you know, Paul Bunyan style a tree. But when you're heading into the mountains to get one, Right on the edge of winter, there is a lot to know, including first how to get a permit, then where you find a good Christmas tree, and how not to get stuck in the snow. There's actually a lot more to it, like tree identification, where to find those really good Christmas trees. It's not as simple as people think. So in this episode, we're going to break down all the important things you need to know before actually
1: getting a tree from Oregon's National Forests.
0: Okay, so the first thing that we want to hit on is getting the permit and choosing where to go.
1: Yeah, so the areas we're talking about are the National forests. For for simplicity's sake, we're going to talk about the Willamette National Forest. It's probably the closest one, um, you know, has the most to offer.
0: So if you live in in, uh, Portland, it would be Mount Hood National Forest, but really the exact same ideas apply. So anything, the first thing to do is to go online and you can buy a permit. Now, you can do this at a website called openforest.com. There's a link in the story I just wrote. Anyway, it's really easy. The permits cost just $5 per tree. My family did it recently. We wanted two trees, so five plus five, $10. You print off the permits and away you go.
1: Yeah, in addition to the amazing online option, which is somewhat unique, honestly, in national forest activities. It's
0: a new thing that they have, that they have advanced digitally. Yeah.
1: You can also go the old fashioned route and head into a ranger station like Detroit ranger station up highway 22
0: and pick up a permit there as well. One important side note. So while you're getting the permit now, take advantage and print off some important information that's going to come up later. The first one is a map. You know, it shows you where you're allowed to harvest a tree, more importantly, where you cannot harvest one. Second thing, is a guide to identifying trees. Now, I can't stress this enough because you get out there and all the trees look kind of the same. And the thing is, you're allowed to harvest a noble fir, a grand fir, a Douglas fir, and a Pacific silver fir, but there are some species you're not allowed to cut. So you do need to be able to tell the difference between the species. And that's kind of hard because, again, they all look the same. So what I did is so I took screenshots of pictures of the trees. So I had them on my phone. So out in the forest, didn't need to log on to anything. It was just there, this picture that is like, okay, this is a grand fir. I can tell because of X, Y, and Z.
1: Yeah. I mean, for a lot of us, I feel like botany classes were probably <laughs> quite a few years in the rear view. And unless you're, you know, really into your outdoor plant identification, you probably need to brush up a little bit.
0: And the thing is, you know, I'm pretty good at identifying trees when they're larger. When they're smaller, it's actually even harder because you have to like look at the needles and kind of look at stuff like that. It's subtle. It's sort not... of the secondary characteristics. Yeah. And it's, it's like even for somebody like me, I've been doing this job outdoor reporting for a decade. And I mean, I need a guide. I can't just just tell like, oh, that's a grand fur, That's a noble fur. So you've got your permit. You've got your map. You've got your trusty tree identification guides. Up next is planning a trip to the forest. And here's a crucial detail. Most of the really nice Christmas trees, so the nobles and the grand firs, the ones you really want to have in your house that hold the ornaments on really well, they grow above 3,500 feet. Now you can certainly harvest trees at lower elevations, but in a lot of cases you're gonna end up with something that looks like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Not very full, a lot less classic Christmassy, maybe even a little sad. So I'd shoot for the slightly higher elevations.
1: Yeah, but then again, the issue is by December, a lot of those high elevations come with a little bit of snow on the ground, Mm -hmm. you know, and access can be pretty tricky. So to start out, you really want to double check your conditions before you leave the house, hop on a trip check, look at some of the webcams at similar elevations, so you can get an idea of, you know, what the snow situation is like. Yep. Or, of course, go ahead and ring up the uh, ranger station near where
0: you're headed. They usually have some pretty good updated info. So my recent trip to get a tree was pretty instructive. You know, I looked on TripCheck.com and saw there was a few inches of snow, but not too much, around 3,500 feet. And that's typical for this time of year. So I got our rig with snow tires. I brought chains along. And I hope to drive on the Forest Service roads to kind of get into the backcountry and look at more trees. But if that wasn't safe, I also got a snow park permit that would allow me to park at one of the plowed out areas if it wasn't safe to drive on those snowy roads. Now, snow park permits, we've talked a lot about them on this podcast, but they're basically just plowed out access points. And I buy one every year because they're great for winter recreation, Um, but you can get them for $5 or $25 for the season. And it just, you'll have a way to get into the forest that way for sure.
1: Okay, so you're driving up Highway 22. You've got your permit. Your vehicle's outfitted. You got your snow tires. You've even got your snow park permit. What's next?
0: So I typically target uh, an area. You know, in my case, it's near Maxwell and Big Spring Snow Park off Highway 22 near Detroit. I know that they're right around 3,600 feet, and they're also really forested areas. So it's a good area, and this was suggested by Forest Service Rangers, it's a good area to find one of these classic Christmas trees. So in this case, you know, I drove up, we're seeing a little bit of snow on the side of the road, and we pulled into Big Spring Snow Park, but we found there was still just a few inches of snow on the ground, so we felt safe driving up some of the Forest Service roads. So we headed up a road. We looked for kind of slightly open areas in the canopy, you know, areas where the trees were a little bit more full, you know, it wasn't totally full of shade. The kids jumped out of the car, started building snowman and, you know, (laughs) I walked around with a handsaw and kind of just contemplated the forest. You start to go blind after a while looking at so many trees, but that's what you got to do.
1: So one reason to give yourself some extra time is that it's not really the easiest thing in the world to ultimately find your perfect tree. So you don't want to, you know, give yourself just an hour of daylight or something. Do not. Unlike the ones grown in Christmas tree farms, you're really dealing with, like, nature's best here in that it can be completely all over the map.
0: And they are all over the map. You know, those perfectly symmetrical trees that you see growing, those are, you know, trimmed to look that way. Like, they don't exist in nature. So... It's actually more fun to take your time, too. You know, I played in the snow with the kids. Then I'd go around looking for trees. Then we'd have hot chocolates. And then if we didn't find anything great, we'd just drive a little farther up the road. But you treat it more like an adventure, like planning for a long-term hike, than for, like, a quick thing where you just, oh, we're going to drive out, grab a tree, and come back.
1: Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that you're only allowed to cut a tree 15 feet or shorter. And you're definitely not allowed to... Say, choose your own height and cut a tree in half. You really need, so you can only like take the top. You really need to do the whole thing, right?
0: Yeah. uh, Sadly, I've seen a lot of places where people haven't done that. Like, and I see where they're coming from. You get frustrated. You're looking at so many trees. You can't find the perfect one. The kids are yelling at you, and you're just like, I got to do something. And so they hack off the top part of a big tree, and they're like, oh, this is great, but that is not allowed. You have to cut it actually six inches from the ground, so you've got to take the whole tree. And it's a bummer to see. You know, you see these sort of like sad half trees in these popular uh, forest getting areas. So how did everything turn out? Well, it was great because it was a combination of, you know, the kids just having fun in the snow. And then eventually, you know, we got up the road and we found a nice little uh, noble fir tree for the kids. It was about five feet tall. And uh, then we found a Pacific silver fir that was about eight feet tall. It wasn't quite as full. It wasn't like the perfect Christmas tree, but it was pretty good. And cut them down, uh, you know, brought a bunch of straps and ropes, you know, tied them to the roof. And, and we got out of there. And, you know, it was, a, it was a full day, but it was a really rewarding day because we were, we were pr- prepared for everything. And it was, it, it was honestly nice. It was like going on a nice long hike with the kids.
1: Okay, so we started off this podcast actually sort of talking about the high price of Christmas trees. And I know the story that Zach did earlier sort of did an economic breakdown to see how much in total it all cost. So how do they compare?
0: So here's the total breakdown. So $5 for the permit for each tree. So we got two. So that was $10. For gas, you know, I looked at this pretty closely and I figured it was about 20 to $25 because you do have to drive out past Detroit, out into the mountains. So it's not a short trip. You know, it's an at least an hour drive. We got some sandwiches and cookies from Subway. So that was $22. bucks. is ob- obviously optional. And then the snow park permit, which again, it's optional, but in deep snow, you'd want to get one. And that is either 5 for the day, 25 for the full year. So, the total can be anywhere from like 30 on the cheap side to like 62 on the high end, which is still for two trees a lot cheaper than the $78, the average. Well, and really,
1: if you sort of calculate it as like a fun day out with the family, I mean, that's, you know, you would have been spending money to possibly do something else. So,
0: I think economically it, it pencils out in just about every way imaginable. The only downside is that, like, you know, if you do one of these things wrong, you could get stuck in the snow. Um, or you could end up with kind of a bummer of a tree. And look, you're not going to get the totally perfect tree that you're used to getting if you want to pay that high price. But for the fun, for you know having a better story, I, I really like this.
1: Okay, so let's go ahead and round it out with sort of the gear that you would want to bring along.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. And when you get a permit, they give you a nice breakdown. But look, you, know, you need a handsaw, obviously. You need a measuring tape, um, straps and rope to get it onto the car, warm clothes for sure tire chains, just in case. Thermos of hot chocolate. You know, my wife <laughs> packed that for the kids. That was came a- Came in clutch. Came sure. in clutch. Um, and then a shovel. And those are kind of the, the main things.
1: All right. Well, that about does it for Christmas tree hunting on the Explore Oregon podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe and tell your friends. You can find us at statesmanjournal.com slash explore.
0: Once you subscribe, make sure to check out past episodes, including our breakdown of the best mountaintop fire lookouts that you can rent in Oregon, including ones that you can travel to in the snow. We also have a detailed uh, plan on how to visit the old-growth redwoods in Oregon and the best adventures near Lincoln City.
1: All right. Thanks for listening.